my nightmare. Every town has an Elm Street. Let's get home. Come to Freddy. Special work to do here, you and me. You've got the body. I've got the brain. This is God. Told ya, comic books was bad for ya. Danny, better not dream and drive. Nice hearing from ya, Carlos Stark. I don't believe this fairy tale. What's wrong, Joe? Welcome back to the Skewered Universe podcast. My name is Jeff. And I'm Leanne. <laughs> That's right, she's back. And we're continuing on with this little retrospective we're doing. I wasn't really gone, to be fair. I just wasn't on the last one. <laughs> yeah, but you were gone for an episode. Now you're back. Okay. So we're letting everyone know you've returned. Sure. And you come back at a good time. We're we're in the fourth installment of our Nightmare on Elm Street series retrospective. So you're here for, for a fun time. But before that... It's always a fun time. Oh yeah, we always have fun here. But before that, since you weren't here last episode, do you have anything you'd like to talk about before we get into anything show-related, movie-related, <laughs> and whatnot? Show-related? Uh, FYI to all the people that I have <laughs> been on podcasts of, I'm, I'm not, like, terminally ill with cancer or something. <laughs> when I'm not on, or if I say, hey, um, I'll pass this time on your show and it'll just be Jeff... It's because I'm shy. I'm an introvert. I am a background girl. You're Howard Stern, and I'm what's her face? Robin Quivers. Robin. Is that Robin? Yeah. Was that? <laughs> I think that's right. Yeah. yeah Robin. It is. I think that's the last name. I don't remember. It anymore. is. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> this all stems from me saying <laughs> something <laughs> regarding the last episode that she wouldn't be on, and. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah. Um, the go-to is that I don't feel good, and, I mean, technically, I don't feel good all the time, but, no, I'm just an introvert, and I'm really shy, and I feel like I don't have a lot to add, except being the audience for you. <laughs> and, to be fair, last episode was talking about Nightmare 3 Dream Warriors, which you do not like at all. It's just not my favorite. That's it. Which everyone's entitled to their opinion. Everyone's entitled to like a different movie in the franchise. That can be their favorite. I'm already a Debbie Downer. Can you imagine if it's a movie I don't like? Oh, God. Why have me on it all? <laughs> <sighs> it As much fun as it could have been to have you just as Brian and I would be talking about the high points we love about Dream Warriors. And you're like, yeah, here's why I don't like that. Because it looks like this. Or it's just da-da-da. Here's why I think it's dumb. Or... But you guys are always the smart ones, and you have an intellectual opinion to add to the conversation, whereas I just like watching movies. <laughs> You're the, like, I want the entertainment, and I'm the, oh, hey, I know all the background stuff about this. I've watched all the behind-the-scenes shit. For me, it's just a story that's being told. Which is fair. 
That's what's fun about movies. Yeah. They're stories. Well, not all of them are. Stories have endings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you very much do not like an open-ended movie. No. If there is no ending to the story, she is not happy. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> As you have heard in multiple episodes here, when there's an open-ended... When <laughs> the movie's left open-ended... Yeah. Which is kind of funny because some of these nightmare films are pretty open-ended, but it doesn't seem that way. They kind of have a semi-conclusion. Even if they were open-ended, I would still like them purely for number one nostalgic value. Mm -hmm. And then also just for entertainment value. Right. Plus, he's comforting. He's my first favorite horror villain. He's like a like a warm cup of cocoa on a on a cold winter's yeah. day. Yeah. The, yeah, there you go. He's got the sweater. Perfect. Yeah. Just a comforting presence, no matter how many children he's <laughs> You're killed. never alone. He's always with you if you're down and out. If you ever need comforting, just go into the dream world. He'll give you a hug. And then plunge his finger knives into your gut. So... Is there anything you've been doing, watching, or some stuff you want to talk about since you weren't here last time? Yeah. All right. I got a list. Let's do it. Call me Jericho. Oh, I don't. Damn. I don't care if it's not valid anymore. <clears throat> the lexicon of Leanne. Oh, 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 barf. Well, in AEW, he called it the lexicon of Le and, Champion, so... And it's dumb. I fucking hate it. The list of Leanne. It, the alliteration is there. It works. <laughs> So I've been watching stuff without you. Of course. I mean, why wouldn't you? Um, the first thing was a show called Beef mm -hmm. from Netflix. I like it. What do you what, what do you think? I've only seen the first couple of episodes and it's it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a um, let me pull it up real quick. Here it is. Two strangers get into a road rage incident that brings chaos into their lives. <laughs> Which is true. It's very much a, a it's about southern, revenge, Southern California, Asian centric revenge series. One, one, the man, the main, one of the main characters. His issue is that uh, he he's a contractor and he doesn't have good work. People don't like him. Customers don't like him. He's super broke, etc. And on the other side, the other main character, she married into a very, um, I don't know what the word is. Well-to-do. Well-respected in the art community. Yeah. Galleries, pottery, furniture. Like, they're known in the art world. Yeah. So, Their name carries weight. So there's a lot of um, culture, like art culture, on her side. So when the two collide, because they're basically the exact same personality, mm -hmm. and they both go at each other equally as hard, and it's just funny to watch them go through all this deception just to feel that, that good feeling you get with revenge. That is funny because they are very much two sides of the same coin because they, from what I have seen so far, they both feel more alive when they're getting that little bit of revenge. So you have the 
upper middle class to upper class side of the coin, and then the more semi-poverty lifestyle of the contractor. But they're both wanting the same thing. They both get the same feelings out of that little bit of revenge, that little bit of, let me just get back at you real quick. At one point, they're stranded together, and (laughs) they become under the influence. That's a pretty entertaining episode. I'm going to have to keep watching. (laughs) I'm going to have to keep watching. It is interesting. Yeah. Especially to see some of the locations in Southern California. There's a really good death in there. There's one really good death. Ooh. Yeah. It was surprising, and I went, oh, okay. To keep my eye out for that one. Yeah. Um, Other stuff I was watching, I watched Violation on Shudder. I haven't heard of that one, and I usually keep track with what's coming through to Shudder. You don't need to watch it. It's basically a rape revenge movie. And it just, um, I, I didn't care for it. Oh, this might be the one you mentioned to me. Yeah. Where it didn't have a whole lot. and I can't remember what I said about it, but I didn't like it. I think you showed me the trailer at one point. One woman was yelling at somebody and you're like, yeah, that's pretty much the only emotion. Yeah, that's the only exciting thing that happens in the movie. So, yeah. There was a good scene where she was trying to kill him. Killing him. and Yeah. It was interesting. I'm not going to go into detail, but it was nice. The rest of the movie was complete garbage. Yeah, I remember now. I didn't remember the name, so once you started describing, I was like, okay, I remember you talking about this. Yeah, I mean, some people might like it. I'm weird. I I didn't like it. I thought it was boring. Anyway, so another thing I watched. (laughs) um, A Stoning in Fulham County. Oh, okay. With, uh, I should have have I have the stuff pulled up semi, so here we go. Um, 1988 television film directed by Larry Ellicane. It takes place in a fictional Fulham County, North Carolina. It is based on a true story of the murder of an Amish baby by a group of reckless teens in Indiana in 1979. And it's got, what's his face in it? <laughs> Why is it not coming up with the cast? Ron Perlman. Ah. And Brad Pitt. Very, very young Brad Pitt. Nice. And what year was that? You said 88? I want to say yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 88. Okay, so around the same time that Brad Pitt, uh, tying back into what we're doing here, would have been on one episode of Freddy's Nightmares. Yeah. There you yeah, go. Right around that same time. So early Brad Pitt. All, all uh, ties in. Accidentally. <laughs> super low budget uh, yes. nightmare on Elm Street series and a made for TV movie. And then another thing I watched on Netflix is a movie called Two. Like the number two. Okay. Two strangers awaken to discover their abdomens have been sewn together and are further shocked when they learn who's behind their horrifying ordeal. Ooh. It was okay. It was okay. It almost sounds like a a more twisted version of a of a saw trap. Yes. Yeah, it's basically they find out that the room they're in is fake. Ah. Uh, okay. I may check it out just so I have an idea of of what it is. They're completely naked. They wake up in bed together, and then they're stuck to each other. 
arguing ensues. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you're sewn to another person who you don't know, and you're both naked. That would be a pretty awkward breakfast. <laughs> and I just realized, because I'm so off my game, that for the movie Violation, the main thing I hated was the shaky cam. That's right. Okay. Oh. See, I knew there was something. I was trying to rack my brain here, but I was like, I didn't want to interrupt you because you were on on a good flow here. Shaky cam is good when it's showing the point of view of someone you can't see, you know, first person. But if it's showing a landscape, get a fucking tripod. They're not expensive. Get a tripod. In, In this day and age... I'm going to say for like the last, we can go back 15 years, image stabilization is a thing, whether it be optical image stabilization or it's programmed into software in your smartphone or your DSLR, whatever you're shooting on. It's not hard to stabilize an image. I remember you showing me the trailer and there were so many shots of just scenery that was shaky. And I'm like, okay, if you're trying to be like... It's like this because the atmosphere and the energy of the film is uncertain and you don't know. It's like, that just makes me want to shut off your film. Yeah. If you're using it in certain instances to show, like, the chaos of a scene or, like you mentioned, a first-person perspective, something like that, I'm fine with that. If you're doing it to create atmosphere, it looks like you don't know how to hold your damn camera. Or whoever shooting your film doesn't know what they're doing. Or they don't have enough money to, you know, give someone five bucks. Yeah. You're, it basically <laughs> looks like you hired a kid with a selfie stick to shoot your fucking movie. Yeah. And I'm sorry, it's 2023, guys. And if this movie was shot in 2020, I'd be saying the same thing. Yeah. Sorry, not sorry. The only other thing that I've been doing is playing Netflix games. See, I always forget about Netflix games. You brought that up and I was like, oh, and then I tried one. I was like, I don't like this. (laughs) Only because I didn't realize it was like, you go into Netflix and they're like, hey, here's these games. Then they're like, oh, you need to go to the app store and download the game. I'm like, ugh. Ugh. You have to download the game? Well, the thing was, I thought it was like launched through the app somehow. No. Like it would have like a separate launcher for it. No. You still have to go and download the games. I'm like, okay, once I figured that out, I'm like, okay, that's that's not as bad as I thought. But then the game I picked, I don't remember what it was, but it was I'm like, this is this is dumb. I'm sorry, this is bad. Well, I picked two. One I completed mm-hmm. uh called Scriptic Crime Stories. I did see that one in there, but I saw you playing it a lot. Yeah, it's kinda like a choose your own adventure where um you get to pick how conversations are handled and directed Mm -hmm. and so sometimes you'll get it wrong and it'll end horribly oh wow okay yeah that's pretty good i didn't see a whole lot of what you were playing but from what you showed me was pretty funny like the live action excuse me clips of people like in an interrogation room or the fake only fans (laughs) (laughs) or like the the um there's like little chat threads Mm-hmm. Where you can, it looks like you're, um, you know, the conversation's really happening and you're getting the notifications with your phone. Mm-hmm. That's pretty fun that they have it all like that. But it, it does make sense that that would be a game 
in Netflix games since like 90% of their content is becoming true crime. And I appreciated the topics because the first season, because they're episodes. Okay. The first season was um, about racial injustice. Cops, Cops killed a kid. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, shit, sorry. Spoiler. It's... Look, 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 look. If somebody doesn't realize when they're playing this game that obviously there's going to be stuff like this and they're going to figure out cops did it. Okay, well, there's a second season and um, it's just about an only... It's about an only... No, what is it? It was... It was a parody of OnlyFans, but it wasn't OnlyFans. Yeah, I forget. I forget what it was. It was like one fan. I don't know. It was not one fan. Yeah, but, but basically she gets murdered and you have to figure out who did it. And it shows the sides of the content creators and how they're human beings and they get harassed a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I appreciated the topics. Other than that, that's that's it. That's that's a pretty that's a pretty full plate you've had going on. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's fine. If, people love when you're on the show. The numbers reflect that. So when you're giving into giving them a uh, some ins- insight into what you've been doing when you're not here, they love it. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I really haven't been doing a whole lot other than preparing for these episodes, making sure that I'm ready, that I have the info, and aside from that, I got caught up on all the seasons of South Park up to the newest season. So there were only four episodes. I was like, I'm going to wait. Yeah. I, I can't, and this is nothing against South Park. I burned myself out going through 20-some-odd seasons. Yeah. I watched it a lot for a long time, and... I, I, I just kind of, I'm like, eh, if there's nothing else on, I'll put it on. What I what I like about it is the humor stays consistent, but the evolution of characters is so goddamn ridiculous. Like, Randy starts out like, geologist, I'm kind of smart and I can solve problems. I'm a little dopey at times. Then to completely off his fucking nut, I'm going to start a weed farm or, oh, I'm Lord, 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 Lord. Like, he looks like my dad. <laughs> he actually does, which is really funny. Well, he used to. Now yeah. he looks like uh, Patrick Stewart. Yeah, your dad. Yeah. You mean, not Randy Marsh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see, though, they have a very similar style of dress. Your dad wearing the same kind of work shirt. Yeah, yeah. with the, the pocket and everything. His yeah. shirts have to And when you showed pocket. me pictures of your dad with the darker hair, definitely, and the mustache, yeah, definitely. But your dad is never dressed up like a 19-year-old singer. No. If he did, it would be funny. And if he made millions, damn, we'd be in a very different position right now. <laughs> yeah, that that is all I've done. Just working on the podcast, getting caught up, making sure that I'm on the right track with my own personal shit. So nothing exciting. Really? I mean, last episode was a lot of fun with Brian. Go check that out if you guys haven't listened yet. If you're listening to this and you haven't listened to the one for part three, stop this podcast right now. Go back. Download the previous episode. Listen to it. In fact, download all of our previous episodes. Listen to the bad ones. There's some bad quality ones in there. We know. But, you know, well, like highlights just, like Velocipaster. It's just the audio. 
that's yeah, it. That's, that's what I'm getting yeah. at. Is it's just the audio. Yeah. It's not the, the content we is are superb. High quality. The content is superb. It's the audio quality that has evolved. And that's only from the evolution of equipment and things like that. Anyway, so what are we doing tonight, Leanne? We're con- <laughs> I was going to say something inappropriate. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're banging on the podcast. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> We're watching A Nightmare on Elm Street for the Dream Master. Do you know what terror is? Hello. Do you live here? Nobody lives here. How long has it been since you've been on Elm Street? Welcome to a brand new nightmare. He is the first in fear. Second to none. Don't let them put you to sleep. He has no mercy. And no equal. Now no one sleeps. Get ready. This August, your wildest dreams will come true. How sweet, fresh meat. A Nightmare on Elm Street, Part 4. The Dream Master. That's right. Continuing on with our A-N-O-E-S retrospective. I'm not sure I remember this one. I'm sure I've seen all of them, but I don't remember them, so... Well... This is like new. It's like new. A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master, is going to be brought to you in a very very fun way because once again we are back to our normal style of reviewing it is our interstellar interstitials interstellar interstitials what are interstellar interstitials this is a rather different movie review format where jeff and leon will pick a movie that neither of them have seen or at least one of them has not seen then they will watch the movie in real time breaking every 15 minutes to give their thoughts on the movie to that point at the conclusion of the film, they will give their final thoughts, recommendations, ratings, and discuss any interesting information about the movie in general. Now back to your regularly scheduled podcast already in progress. So now that you know what that means, if we're, in case you're new here, we're going to go ahead and get started. A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master. We're going to start it off, and we'll be back to you guys in just a little bit. Leanne, you got anything before we start? I think it's funny that the description calls him grotesque. <laughs> He's not grotesque. He's adorable and misunderstood. <laughs> yeah, also a child killer. But we'll be right back. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. 
Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Quick, all right, so we are the first 15 minutes in, and quick synopsis, we are picking up right where part three left off, pretty much. We're a little bit in the future. So we have Kristen, this time around, played by Tuesday Night, and returning are Rodney Eastman as Joey and Ken Sagos as Kincaid. Kristen is convinced Freddy is coming back. Her friends are like, no, you're worried. We killed him. He's gone. But as goes with these movies, Freddy will make his return, and there are a whole bunch of new friends to kill. Speaking of that, so we have, like I said, Tuesday night as Kristen, Rodney Eastman as Joey, Ken Sagos returning as Kincaid. We also have some new characters. Andrus Jones as Rick, Lisa Wilcox as Alice. They are brother and sister. We have Toy Newkirk as Sheila, Brooke Thies. <laughs> if I can bring up her name here, Debbie. I always forget her name is Debbie. We cannot forget Danny Hassel as Dan. So he didn't have to do a whole lot. He even jokes about that in some of the behind the scenes stuff. He's like, hey, character is just my name. Cool. Good with that. And of course, returning for a fourth time to portray the man of our nightmares, Robert Englund as Freddy Krueger. So, Leanne, you mentioned that you hadn't seen this as much as the others, but you, you didn't remember a lot of it. You've seen it, but you didn't remember a whole lot of it. So what are you thinking so far? I like Dippin' Dots. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying Dippin' Dots right now. They're pretty all right. Um, I think this one is the most visually appealing. Okay. I mean, they really, I, I feel like they really go out of their way to make the space on the screen, like, every space on the screen um visually appealing okay okay aesthetically pleasing to the eye when you look at yeah. it. yeah that might come a lot from uh rennie harlan's directing i'm not sure um i there's not a whole lot i heard about what they went with set design but if this is harlan's vision it's it very much makes sense because the guy went on to direct some really cool movies after this but yeah this is the one i saw the most as a kid i think same. You you had mentioned that when we first started, and it was the same with me, because this one was pretty much on TV, like, all the time. Yeah. And even if I never caught it from the very beginning, I caught it from the point of Freddy coming back and all hell breaking loose. Yeah. So with that, so far, so good. You're remembering some of it, but you're you're enjoying it so far? Yeah. All right. So what do you say, another 15 minutes, and then we'll come back and let everybody know what else we think? Yeah. Or what you think, actually. I like the dorky character so far. <laughs> oh, and one quick thing. Andrus Jones, who plays Rick, Alice's brother who we saw there, doing his little karate workout in the garage. I asked you while we were watching if he looked familiar to you. You said no. Remember when we watched Sorority Babes at the Slimeball Bolorama? Vaguely. Remember the very nerdy guy with the no. glasses? No. It's, that's the same guy. Okay. He was in that. He was one of the, the sleazeballs. He was the one with Linnea Quigley. Oh, he yeah. was the main guy? He was that guy, yeah. Oh, I hate that guy. Yeah. In this, he's a little more tolerable, He's but... Yeah, he's fine here, so -so. but no, I, I remember how much I hated him. <laughs> yeah, so a little bit of trivia for you there. All right, we're going to get back into it, and we'll talk to you guys in a sec.
So we are another 15 minutes in, and we have seen, well, Leanne, before I get to what I want to say, what are you thinking so far? I think they're putting checkered print throughout the movie. Is that what you're noticing? Yes. Okay. I wasn't really paying attention to that, but... The first place I noticed it, when I actually noticed it, Mm -hmm. was um, in the... What's-his-face's bedroom? The waterbed guy. Oh, Joey. Yeah, he had it on the floor. Okay. And then in the next scene is the classroom. They had it on the walls, but it didn't look like it was a part of anything. Hmm. Okay. So it didn't make sense for it to be there. And then in the diner, it's on the menus. Huh. I never picked up on that, and I've never heard anyone the mention first, that. The, the first one and the third one make sense, but the classroom one, if you go back and look, it doesn't belong there. Huh. Like, it, it doesn't look purposeful. Really strange. I never I never caught on to any of that, so that's weird. Well, I, I have weird fascinations with things like that. Like, for example, ceiling fan head. Yes. When people record videos of themselves. I have a folder in my phone called ceiling fan head (laughs) where where the ceiling fan is like right on top of their head i just perfectly aligned in the shot where it looks like a hat (laughs) so yeah i'm noticing these checker checker print it's interesting that it's a like a subtle theme in the movie like some background theme i've never i've never picked up on it and I've never heard it mentioned in any of the behind-the-scenes stuff, so I wonder if it was just like a subconscious thing. It might have to do with the um, just the look of the movie, because I'm noticing, like I said before, how it's like all of the screen has stuff going on. Right. So all of it has purpose. And if you think about, like, the dream house, mm-hmm. um, the dream junkyard... Like, everything was full. Everything. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I sound like I'm off my rocker, but... No, every, they were making use of every bit of the screen that they were going to have the movie yes. on. They wanted to make sure that ev- that the screen was filled with something to visually catch your attention. Yes. I get what you're saying. And I'm appreciating all the bedrooms. <laughs> you do love an 80s bedroom. Although now, I not only want a waterbed, but I want there to be a chick in it. <laughs> Just a naked chick swimming around underneath yeah, for you. Yeah. She might not last long, but, you know. <laughs> At some point, that water's going to get real murky. Thank you for ruining my fantasy. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I like Freddy in drag as a nurse. That was always that was always fun to me to see that it was Robert Englund. And I like the fact that they actually put a bra on him. <laughs> Because you can, when he's turned, when he has his back turned, you can see his bra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, okay. It's it's the little things. I before I touch on the couple of things I don't like about the beginning of this movie, let me let me mention a couple of things I do like real quick. The camaraderie among the friends feels kind of real for an '80s slasher movie, as real as you can get without it being filming actual friends. As real as you can get for a horror movie. It doesn't feel forced that any of these relationships are like, oh, well, here's this person and they're going to be friends with this one. It, it doesn't feel forced. It feels like they all had a natural camaraderie. Yeah. I also like 
the portrayal of Alice by Lisa Wilcox, she's very much in her own world. She dreams a lot, you know. Her home life is shit. The dad is an alcoholic. Their mom is is dead. So she's retreated into her own fantasy world with dreams and everything. And she's very shy and timid and doesn't... Very much, like, very introverted. She's very, like, reserved to herself. Very much, I feel, an introvert right now at this stage in the film. And I like that portrayal because it comes off as real. It's not over the top. And to get to the two things I don't like, I don't like how they did Kincaid and Joey. More so how they did Kincaid. My boy Kincaid in part three was strong. He helped defeat Freddy. In this one, they made him go out like a bitch. Where's his dream powers? I also don't like that they killed off Joey in a waterbed because Joey's dick gets him in trouble all the time. Women are his weakness. So he's like, hot naked woman from my poster is in the bed? Hell yeah. Oh, wait. That I'm kind of reminds now. me of Demon Knight, where, um, what's his face? When he gets his fantasy. Yeah, Dick Miller. Yes. The late, great Dick Miller yes. with all the topless women and the alcohol. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Billy Zane chewing up the scenery as the bartender. Yeah. Yes, that that's such a great scene. So many fake tits in that scene, too. But anyway, yeah, I, I have my gripes about the way they did Kincaid. I think they did him dirty. It was kind of lackluster that it was just a little bit in the beginning, and then he's gone, and then Joey's gone. Like, Okay, what you liked about part three, they're gone now. It's like, What was the point of having them in the first place, to be honest? I don't know. It was like, hey, don't you want to come back and see the people you liked in the last one? Yeah, we're going to kill them now. I'm like... They couldn't stick around longer. They were part of the Dream Warriors. In this one, they were just Freddy fodder. Yeah, that's my one main concern with this film. So far, I'm having a lot of fun with this one. What about you? I really appreciated the um, the aerial pan out of the junkyard mm-hmm. to show you just how big it is. I thought that was really cool. That was a matte painting. Really? Yes. I really liked it. I remember seeing behind-the-scenes stuff of the guy actually doing all the little intricate detailing so you can see where the little pathways were and all That's that. That's brilliant. It's really good. It was I, really pretty, too. It really was. I I miss matte paintings in movies because you get the right person to do them, and they're just fantastic. So, all right. Another 15 minutes, then we'll come back, right? Yeah. Okay. We'll talk to you guys in a bit. It's intermission, it's intermission, it's intermission. Ice cream, candy, lemonade, too. And there's a hot dog waiting for you. The popcorn's popping and it's ready to go. You know all the great food is still in the show. Get up out your seat and get yourself a tasty treat down at the snack bar. Snack bar. Another 15 minutes in, 
And we've just seen the death of one Kristen. So the last of the three characters from the previous film has now been taken out. And apparently she was able to transfer her dream power to Alice. I don't know how, but that's where we're at now. And we just paused on the dream Sheila's having in the classroom. With the checkered print floor. Another checkered floor. Another checkered pattern in this movie. So it's a thing. Now I'm going to have to go... <laughs> it's probably not a thing. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch when I go to part five to rewatch it. I'll have to look and see if there's anything there. And then go back to like part three and be like, was there anything here that I missed that could tie into this? Was there anything in the first one that denotes checkerboard patterns being a Freddy so. thing? I don't think so. <laughs> but the only thing that makes me question it is the second time I saw it in the other classroom because it didn't make sense. So it's like, why would you put checker there? Like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. The rest of it, I wouldn't question whatsoever. Like. The floors in the schools, okay, definitely could happen, 80s high school. The diner is like a, like you said, a, a very 50s style diner. Yeah. Which was a thing in the 80s. Just that one thing. But then what's thing. his face's bedroom had it, the rug that was checker print. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's a weird thing. Weird, weird thing. And we've also noticed that Alice is starting to act more like Kristen after Kristen died and passed on her power. Apparently. Saying same lines, like, we have matching luggage, starting to smoke in the bathroom, which she's not a smoker. And she seems a little less timid and shy. The, so overall, what are, you, what, are, what are your thoughts at this point of the film? Um, I'm going to stand by the fact that I said it has great, like... Um, Visuals? Yeah, because there's, like, the scene where she gets sucked in, uh, into the quicksand mm -hmm. and she winds up on the ceiling... I thought that was really cool. Or like when she was drugged by her, what's her face was drugged by her mom mm -hmm. and uh, the aerial view and how it like spun upside down. Yeah. The, the disorienting shot of her realizing she, her mom drugged her with sleeping pills and Kristen goes to her room and just the camera keeps moving around as she's going from place to place in the room, trying to find something to keep her awake. And plus there are fun animations like when the souls get into his body, mm -hmm. um, there's like that that whooshy light, and then yeah. also when what's her face gets the bloody nose in class, and she's looking at the paper. That's fun. Yeah, all her the test stuff is all moving around and animated on the yeah on the paper. Yeah, there's there's really cool visuals in this. I like the little effects touches. It might not be the best storyline. It might not be a unique storyline at all, but I think it's got the visuals and that's good enough for me because I really appreciate a good background movie and this would be a very good background movie. Yeah, that's essentially how I've come, why I why I like it. It's a good background movie. I could throw it on at any point. Yeah. Maybe if you're under the influence, if you're high as a kite, this would be one of the good ones to put on. Yeah. Tripping balls, maybe. Yeah. Also, if you got a few friends over and you guys partake in uh, the consumption of <gasps> cannabis, you can put this on and have a good time just having a lot of fun with it. There was a part that I really liked. I really liked the theme of, like, things being on fire in these movies. Mm -hmm. Like, um, in the second one, the railings were on fire. Right. And then in this one, when the blade is moving through the water... At one point, it's on fire. Yeah. 
there is there is a lot of fire in this. I mean, not I to like mention, it. in the beginning, Freddy's resurrection takes place from a dog pissing fire. Mm-hmm. But not just any dog. Kincaid's dog, <laughs> who was named Jason. Yeah. So we had Jason and Freddy in this film, just not the Jason you're thinking of. The only thing that seems weird is from the first film to this one, Nancy's house wasn't really anything special in the first one. And then starting with part two, it sort of became the nexus point of Freddy's power. Like everything was in the house. Nancy's diary. Weird stuff was happening in the house. They still talked about the boiler room and where Freddy worked. But then by the time you get to part three, the house is like the nexus of his power. And then we bring in the junkyard. So by the time you get to four, the one we're in now, those are like the two nexus points of his power. The junkyard and the house that kind of tie into leading to the boiler room ultimate dream world. It's It gets weird. It gets a little convoluted, but the visuals are still so cool. And it's just a lot of fun to watch, so I'm willing to forgive all that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I don't even know how much more time we have left in this movie. Oh, we've still <laughs> Quite got... a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 45 minutes. We've got like 45 minutes. It's a 90 minutes, so hour and a half movie. So we're going to do another 15 minutes. Absolutely. We'll be right back. Show starts in four minutes. To visit our snack bar and treat yourself to some delicious Castleberry's pit-cooked barbecue sandwiches. Cook the Castleberry way slowly over open pits of glowing charcoal, then seasoned with a sauce that's zesty, yet delightfully mild to please the entire family. Also at the snack bar, you'll find popcorn and soft drinks and candy and French fries to go with your Castleberry's barbecue sandwiches. There's plenty of time before the movie starts, so visit our snack bar right now for Castleberry's pit-cooked barbecue sandwiches. Still plenty of time to come and be served at the refreshment center before showtime. Just like that, another 15 minutes into the movie. <laughs> So we've seen Alice's power pull Sheila into her dream. Initially, I said it was Sheila's dream. No, it was Alice's dream. And Sheila dies of a fatal asthma attack, but it's really just Freddy sucking all the air out of her body. Yeah. Deflating her like a sad balloon. Before we before we move on to anything else, what are, what are your thoughts so far from where, where we left off last time to where we are now? It's, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's good. <laughs> did, did you... Did you notice anything odd about the the death scene for Rick after Alice pulls him into her dream when he's on the toilet falling asleep? No. So, you know how he's fighting an invisible Freddy with his karate? Oh, yeah. Um, do you want to know why he was fighting an invisible Freddy? Why? They ran out of money. Uh they had a different death plan and they <laughs> ran out of time and money, so they were like, "Well, We've got these white sheets and we've got this set. Let's just do this. Wow. Yeah. That's not good. <laughs> no, it's it stands out as one of the weakest points in the film. And I, I don't really appreciate like the all the Japanese stuff, even though like what's his face's character was into the Chinese stuff. <laughs> he had like Bruce Lee posters in the garage. He and... had a like a Chinese flag. But then yeah. Freddy starts talking about a ninja, and in the sequence, it's, like, all Japanese stuff. 
like an oriental rug and i'm like i am so confused with what's happening right now yeah it's it's a whole weird thing i think they just went oh asian culture karate yeah whatever because even (laughs) rick was even quoting karate kid to her saying you must have balance i'm like (laughs) but you like bruce lee but you like karate kid okay they just went oh 80s asian karate yeah it's all of them yeah so (laughs) that's definitely what it seems like just like oh you're from that part of the world so you all do this no (laughs) that's a rash generalization or we can chalk it up to freddy just also being racist possibly yeah who knows? He did only kill white kids. Well, Sheila was black. Oh, yeah, I forgot. And Rod, in the very first one, was some sort of other ethnicity. I'm not sure, because I never really said. His name was Rod Lane, but I know the actor is Hispanic, but they never really... But oh. he didn't look like the Yeah, other okay, white I'm kids. an asshole. Okay, yeah. I take it back. No, no, no. There's just those two. <laughs> there's just those two up to this point in the series. Something interesting that I pointed out to you right now were we've seen Sheila's death. We've seen Rick's death. Alice is taking on their traits as they progress through. Dan and Debbie have come to the conclusion that after every death, Alice changes to act like the most recent person who died. We got to see the terrible uh, stunt double with a bad wig doing the nunchucks. As Alice from behind. It's... <laughs> As, and it wasn't even red hair. It was Whoever it was was a brunette. I'm like, what are you doing? It's, it's a terrible wig. It's man obviously hands. not her. Clearly a man. She's even pointed out that fans <laughs> will tell her like, oh, it's so obvious. It's not you. The wig is bad. She's like, I even noticed it when I saw the movie. It's just, she goes, it's definitely not me. Everyone can tell it's not me. <laughs> so right now where we, where we paused it, Alice is getting ready to leave to meet up with Dan. They want to go meet with Debbie to make a plan to fight Freddy. And I told you there's an interesting parallel here between Nightmare 4, this scene. Alice's dad is drunk, trying to prevent her from leaving the house to protect her from what's going on. Which is very similar to Nightmare 1, before Nancy's ultimate confrontation with Freddy, her mom locks her into the house as she is completely shit-faced drunk to protect her from what is happening. So it's a very, I don't think it was intentional, but it's a very cool thing that like in the fourth movie, we're calling back to that first one again, drunk parent trying to protect the daughter. It, it was something interesting. I just now noticed after years of seeing this film. So what do you think? You asked me that before. Oh yeah. I was just saying about this. Do you oh, think it's like yeah. an interesting thing? It's kind of interesting. I mean, <laughs> who else would think it's interesting? Nobody. But that's fine. You have your own thing. All right. Well, then, why don't, we get, why don't we go ahead and get back to the movie since I'm not I'm interesting? I know you are. I know you are. I'm giving JK, you a hard JK. time. All right. We're going to get back to it. We'll be back, guys. Until then, enjoy this. Your attention, please. All new Hotshot electric in car heaters have been installed for your comfort and convenience. Just insert heater through car window and turn on the switch. When leaving, please turn switch off and replace on speaker post. Warning, high voltage. For your own safety, do not attempt to repair or remove wires. Do not attempt to open heater unit. If you need assistance, please notify the theater box office or concession manager. We're getting to the home stretch. We got another 15 minutes down. So Leanne, how are are you feeling about this movie so far? 
up to up to this point where we're at. We got fifteen more minutes. I've for you. I've loved it throughout, and okay. I continue to love it. I have a feeling I'm gonna <laughs> love it even in the next fifteen minutes. Um, I really like all the the effects and stuff that happens. Like he had the the souls in his body, like coming mm-hmm. out of his skin, and when he sucked what's her face's juices out. Yeah, uh, Sheila in the classroom. Yeah, the meatball pizza. Ah, soul food. And then um, when What's-Her-Face turns into a cockroach. That's always been one of my favorites, because it's always just so gross. Yeah. <laughs> like, her arms being broken backwards, Debbie's arms, and then she brings them forward, and then they just fall off, and she's got <laughs> cockroach legs for arms. Done by, and I don't know if you remember the movie Society we saw. No. It was the one where at the end of the film they all kind of merged into one big mass of human flesh. We've seen it together. I'll show it to you again. Okay. But the guy who did the effects for that movie is named Screaming Mad George. He did that effect in this film. He's responsible for the cockroach makeup effect. But not the rest of it? He did do some more stuff, but this was strictly like his thing. This ah, was okay. they gave him this specific task and said, "Do it." And Got it. he did not disappoint. No, it was really good. It's it's one of my favorites. Yeah, we've seen that the cool looping of them being asleep and just trying to get to Debbie and they end up back at the diner. Yeah. But the one thing I really like, the effect I like is when Alice goes into the dream trying to find Dan, she goes to a movie theater. Sits down with her popcorn, and then ultimately gets sucked into the screen. And you see her hit the screen and transition into the movie, which went from Reefer Madness to showing a rundown version of the diner she works in. I don't know how it was done to this day, but it still holds up as a cool effect. Because here she is in real time from the movie, and then hits the screen, and is a 2D version. It's, it's a cool effect. I agree. I also like how they did the effect of her. They start showing the popcorn and the soda, like getting sucked into the movie. Mm -hmm. Basically, she was hanging. She was strapped into a seat that was turned on its side. So everything Mm. you see is just everything falling to the floor. Okay. Spilling down to the floor. But then they just turned it. I'm I'm doing the arm motion like people can (laughs) see me. No. It's just for you. And then in post, they just turned it to look like she was sitting there. They had everybody strapped in that was around her. And then they just corrected it on film to make it look like everything was getting sucked into the screen. Those little things are just cool. Yeah. So we've got 15 minutes left. We're going to see the the ultimate conclusion of this movie. Then we'll come (laughs) back, give our final thoughts. Maybe I got a couple more trivia things I want to throw in here. Maybe not. Yeah, we're going to finish this off. Let's do it. The next show will start in eight minutes. Hey! They're ready, folks. For refreshment that is great. If it's early or it's late, it's Orange Crush, Orange Crush, the drink that's extra good. Fresh fruit flavor. That's for me. It tastes better. Naturally. Orange Crush, Orange Crush, get some right away. All right. We have finished A Nightmare on Elm Street, part four, The Dream Master. It took long enough. 
<laughs> Are you saying the movie dragged? No. I'm just saying it happened to be really long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's longer than I remember it being. I don't know why I didn't remember it being so long. An hour and 33 minutes. It, I remember it being that long as a kid, but I think because we watched it on TV, it was a lot of it was cut down. So ultimately, we got to see Alice embrace all of her dream power and fight Freddy. Yeah, she you know went into bad ma- badass mode like they usually do. Uh, headband around her knuckles. <laughs> uh, What's-her-face's invention, of course. Spiked bracelet, of course. Mm-hmm. Leather jacket. Ponytail. Studded belt. Ripped jeans. And, uh, you know, she can do acrobatics. She knows martial arts. Yeah. Yeah, she's essentially become the Dream Master. Yeah. Yeah, she had all their powers, but Freddy had all their souls. And it's funny because... <laughs> that dude disappears from the dream, right? I was he in the operating room? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so like <laughs> they're like he's hemorrhaging and he wakes up and he goes, "Put me back under." And they're wouldn't it be funny if they just said, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cuz once they realize they're in a dream trying to save Debbie, once they realize Debbie's dead, Alice feels her power go into her. She crashes the truck into what she believes is Freddy, and she's just crashed it into a tree. So Dan's injured, but then he starts hemorrhaging in real life, so he fades from the dream because they're giving him something to bring him out of anesthetic. I don't know if that's typically how it's done. I don't think so. I would think they would keep them under to try and control the hemorrhaging and then pull them out, but hey, I'm not a doctor, so... I just think there would still be some operating to be done to stop hemorrhaging, not just pulling them out from being under anesthetic. But as I said, not a doctor. I do like Freddy's, I guess we can say death in they, this one. Yeah, the audience can't see your air quotes. Yeah, I I guess it's his death, <laughs> quote unquote death. Yeah, I know. I think the way I said it. It's always his death. Every time. The chest of souls with the arms coming out, like, pulling him back. Yeah, the tiny arms were fantastic. They really looked wet. Yeah. And I love that there was a pair of tits in there, too. Linnea Quigley's. Are you serious? I am serious. I've seen her tits. Yes. Wow. Yeah. You have you have shown me the appreciation. <laughs> I yeah. love her. When you see the full-size people pushing through, they had a giant Freddy chest that had that, like, spandex silicone screen that they're all pushing through. I'll show you the behind-the-scenes, but there's one point where you can hear somebody yelling, Push out, Linnea! Push your tits out, Linnea! Push your tits out. More <laughs> chest! Push it out, Linnea! And I was like, what? They're like, yeah, Linnea Quigley was on set and she totally came in to do this part just to push through and show her breasts in the giant chest of Just souls. that one little part. Yeah, just that one little part. God, I love her. So that and f- the freeing of the souls because Alice remembers the Dream Master rhyme. Which again, kind of parallels the first one. Nancy took her power away by turning her back on him. This one, she takes Freddy's power away by making him confront himself as the evil. I like when he said, I've been guarding my gate for a long time, bitch. Because <laughs> it reminded me of Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
which ooh, we don't want to go down that road. We're allowed <laughs> the, to like the cartoon. Yeah, it's yeah. Fine. I like the cartoon. I don't like the person who's a piece of garbage, but that's a conversation for another time. But yes, very Rick and Morty. I've been that. guarding my gate for a long time, bitch. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty much like that toilet episode where Rick had the private toilet. That's what it sounds like <laughs> something he would say. But again, that's that's kind of a cool line because it ties back to the dream conversation they were learning in class where he was talking about there's guardians of gates. One's a positive gate, one's a negative gate, and the dream master controls everything between or something like that. It was a very brief scene when they were in class. It was the conversation in class just before Rick's death with Invisible Freddy Kung Fu fight. The, the shitty, shitty, <laughs> the shitty way Rick had to die. Anyway, do you have some more things you want to touch on about the movie there? No? Um, no, not really. <laughs> I mean, I love that she ends up having a sense of style and a boyfriend. A sense of style, a boyfriend is confident and no longer shy, timid, or an introvert. Shy, timid, or an introvert. She's very much taken on all the characteristics of everyone who's died and is like, I'm a badass now. Which I guess is why they brought her back for the sequel, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5, The Dream Child, but that's next show. So, Leanne, you've, you've seen all of the movies. I mean, we'll put Dream Warriors aside. You're not really a fan, but you've seen it. You've seen four. You've refreshed on four. Would you say people should watch this one as part of the, part of the series? I'm annoyed that it's my favorite so far. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a bad thing. There are a lot of people who really love this one. I enjoy this one. I, it's it's the visuals. It's so visually appealing for me. It really is. If There's... I zone out for five minutes, I can still be entertained with what I'm looking at. Yeah. Luckily, the story isn't so complex that you can't like pick up, figure out what happened, what's happening. If you do tend to zone out, it's not really the story is very basic. Bunch of kids getting killed. One person is the chosen one to fight Freddy. They survive the end. Freddy dies, but may come back. We're not sure. It's a very simple formula, but the visual effects, the the scenes, the scenery, the set work, aside from Rick's death, is very good. Yeah. <laughs> I keep harping on that just because you asked me um, what the deal was with that. Like, what, they just ran out of money? So I'm going to reiterate it here for anyone who doesn't know. The reason Rick's death was filmed that way, they had already filmed his funeral scene. And they went, shit, we're out of money. We're over budget. We're out of time. What do we do? We got to film some sort of death scene for him. So ultimately what they planned didn't come to fruition. So we got Invisible Freddy Kung Fu Fight. That's how that happened. I think people should watch this one. It's fun. I just noticed... On the screen, on the main screen, the menu mm -hmm. says Crave In. That's cute. Yeah, a little nod to Wes Craven. <laughs> yeah, one of, the, one of the things I left out, but I'm glad you caught that on the screen here. We're watching this on Vudu, by the way. So if you do have Vudu and you see this, when you go to pull it up, the main screen is Freddy looking right at you with a menu of the Crave In right there. With its checkerboard pattern yeah. <laughs> that we see throughout the film. Yeah. I'm. I might be convinced that Freddy likes stripes and checkerboard patterns. I, I think don't know. I really like. Okay, so 
for a movie with a lot of red and green in it, like mm-hmm. with the lights and the paint and all that stuff, they actually have quite a bit of black and white. If it's not checkerboard, it's a little panda bear. If it's um, like in the funeral scene, all the flowers mm-hmm. were white. Everyone's was wearing black and white. And Rick's casket was white. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think the person involved with how the film looks did a really good job with the black and white versus the color. Yeah. And that's funny because now that I think about it, Alice started out wearing basically, I mean, aside from the first scene, the rest of the film, she's basically wearing white yeah. until the end. In Rick's death scene, not to bring it up again, but there are white curtains. He's wearing a black gi. So again, the black and white contrast. It's yeah. Funny that I never picked up on that before, but you have an eye for these certain things that I may not pick up on. I, I, might... I might have a touch of the tism. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm beginning to think more people in the world might have it. Yeah. Like the spectrum might just be all of humankind at this point. <laughs> like we all got a touch of it somehow. So both of us recommend you seek out this movie. Watch. You don't have to seek it out. It's available anywhere. It's available on Voodoo. You can rent it on Amazon. You can pick up the DVDs pretty cheap. There's Blu-rays of it. They're fairly cheap. They're all still in print. They're all available. I say watch it. It's a lot of fun. Is it? Okay. It is Leanne's favorite of the series. It's not mine. I don't think it's the highest mark in the series, but it's still a fun point in the series. From here on out, things can get weird with five and six and then New Nightmare and Freddy vs. Jason, but those are for other shows. But if you want to support this show, you can head on over to patreon.com slash skewereduniversepodcast. Support the show. You get transmissions episodes. You're going to get some audio commentaries. I almost lost track of what I was going to say. <laughs> also, certain levels, you can recommend stuff that we do, so we don't have to put in all this work figuring out what to do to bring you guys quality content. You can tell us what to talk about. As long as we haven't already covered it. If we've covered it, we're just going to point you to the link to listen to that episode. We're also a Podbean affiliate. There is a link in the description. You follow that link, you get a month for free if you want to start podcasting with a paid premium plan. I fully encourage you, if you've got an idea for a podcast, get out there and do it. Take advantage of our link, man. We get something in the back end, you get something. It's helping each other out, man. You want to do a podcast, do it. Podcast about anything. It can be mulch. It can be aquariums, anything you want to podcast about. Get your voice out. So with that being said, Leanne, do you have anything else? Um, that I love you and thank you for listening and please suck my dick. <laughs> and enjoy that universe that's just a bit skewered. Connect with us on social media. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast or join the group facebook.com slash group slash podcast. Follow us on Twitter at skewerdu or Instagram at skewered underscore universe underscore podcast. Find the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify or podbean.com. Support the show by going to patreon.com slash podcast to get special episodes and commentary tracks exclusive to members. Rick, you little meatball.